0: Good day, folks. My name is John, and I, of course, want to say thank you for taking the time to listen, if indeed you are listening. As I always like to say and remind myself, that it is a privilege and an honor that you come here to listen to the thoughts and considerations that I have, and I do mean that sincerely. Thank you. If, in fact, you are. I don't know, I sometimes look at the metrics and wonder if I'm just wasting my time here. But who knows? I feel compelled to do so, and maybe at some point or another, maybe somebody will stumble across these lectures, these podcasts, these this series that I'm doing, and uh, maybe you'll get some kind of uh, use out of them and glean something. Perhaps an insight, perhaps a consideration. I don't know. I don't know. But either way, I feel compelled to share my thoughts nonetheless. And if anything, uh, perhaps it gives me a chance to articulate some thoughts in a way that I otherwise would not. So if you are listening, thank you. I really greatly appreciate it. And uh, Let's get on with it. So the other day, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, whom I consider to be a brother in Christ. And uh, the concept of nihilism was coming up, and how sometimes, uh, uh, the uh, the conversation of nihilism was coming up, and how he sometimes, in his private, quiet moments, feels a little nihilistic. Maybe there's just nothing afterwards. Maybe it's just all bunk. Maybe there's just the eternal abyss, if you will. A bit Nietzschean, I suppose you could say, and it spawned on a philosophical, theological conversation as to why I particularly don't buy that and why I think faith really is justified by the evidence in which we see here in front of us. And I'm I'm of a mind to say that God, He gave us a great deal of evidence to support the claim of His existence. Now, again, we're just going to go by pure evidence. I don't want to get into conjecture. I don't want to get into supposition. I don't want to get into the theories of what if. Let's talk about what we know to be true and why, actually, why, actually, and you might find this to be surprising, the concept of evolution does not bother me. It does not bother me. In fact, I'm, I'm willing to go along with that theory as well. I think there's a lot of evidence to support it. In a sense, I don't think we see the evidence that supports uh, jumping from species to species, but I do see evidence, maybe in a sense, that that kind of shows a guided evolution uh, of species. Uh, And and, and when I mean jump, I I mean to say that I don't think we're seeing the Tyrannosaurus rex uh, devolving into the chicken, although there are similarities. I, I don't think we're particularly seeing that. However... I might be willing to concede that uh, certain types of fish might uh, grow and adapt and kind of split off and evolve into different species of, or, or different, um, different types of fish. Uh, it's been a while since I've used the scientific uh, wording, so you'll have to excuse me. I'm a little bit rusty on that. But you know, we were talking about this concept of nihilism and nothing, and it kind of went on to evolution. And of course, many things come out from these conversations. And so I'm going to explain to you why evolution does not bother me. It really, truly doesn't. And maybe you'll find something in this. So, for example, you know, a lot of fundies, we'll call them fundies because I'm not a big fan of them, and uh, you might find that to be pejorative, and well, I'm just using a shortened version of the word to describe a, uh, an ideological. They would they would condemn anybody who says that anything other than a literal six-day creation is anathema. Terrible, no, God would not lie to us. Well, no, God does not lie to us. Uh, We know this to be true because we know lying is bad, and we know that bearing false witness is bad, and we know that sin and bad cannot exist in God's presence. God is not contradictory because contradictions oftentimes are chaotic, actually all the time are chaotic, and God does not live in contradiction. God does not exist in contradiction. So we know that maybe it's, not the, uh, maybe it's not God who is being contrary, but maybe it's our understanding. And understanding that Genesis, the Genesis narrative, for example, is, well, it wasn't really directly written for us per se, although we can glean from the knowledge and wisdom found here. But instead, it was written to convey an idea that God, in fact, did create ex- existence as we know it. But it doesn't talk about how God created existence. It says that God spoke it into existence, but it doesn't exactly express the mechanics of it. Now watch this one. If we're going to go hypothetically, hypothetically based on everything that we can say with relative certainty that we know to be true, one of which is that there is no life, there's no evidence of life anywhere in what we observe in the cosmos now statisticians and theorists might say that well it's statistically improbable that we are the only life uh, in, in in at least you know the galaxy um, can't really speak for the universe but um, but even so there's simply no evidence whatsoever to support that there is life Anywhere else except for on this little planet that we all inhabit right now. There's no evidence. There is supposition. There's theory. There's conjecture. Mm -hmm. There is, you know, the the statistical statistical probability, which I don't know off the top of my head it's interesting because we could say, well, probably based on a certain set of variables that we surmise based on what we understand, we could sit down and say that maybe there's life somewhere, but there's just no evidence. Of course, you got the ancient alien guys with the hair or whatever those goofballs are, and they're like, "But look at aliens!" And the reality is, is that that nonsense has been uh, usually debunked uh, by somebody who actually is a cultural anthropologist and has actually studied the um, the norms, traditions. And uh, ways in which people could have possibly done something and you start to find, oh, wait, it's really not aliens. It's just clever engineering that we don't think about because, you know, we don't have the necessity to be that clever. Or maybe we've come up with new ways to make life easier for ourselves. But the point is, is that we can surmise based solely on evidence, and I'm just talking about evidence, that there is no other life out there. Now that's interesting to think about because if there was no other life out there and there is only life on this planet that suggests to us that should kind of set up a red flag saying that wow that notion defies all logic and reason cuz the universe the galaxy is very very large it's very big Extremely big. So, so big it's, it's incomprehensible. I mean, just trying to wrap your head around the solar system, as we know it in and of itself, is a feat. But to wrap your head around our, 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 our little corner of the galaxy, uh, you know, the quadrant of the galaxy, if you will, or maybe even, you know, the whole galaxy. I mean, really, just, it's immense. It is immense. I'm not disputing this. It's huge. And I'm not going to go into that nonsense of the flat earth, whatever. It's like, I'm not getting into that garbage. That's just silliness for all intents and purposes. And it's interesting to think about and go for a mind experiment and jaunt down the uh, dark sucker reality. But the, uh, the 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 truth of the matter is we know enough to sit down and say that, no, uh, we're not on a flat earth. But the point is, is that the evidence that we see does not indicate life anywhere else i know some shows might want to sit down and imagine or wonder and we can do that of course but if in fact we are the only life here on this planet that's very fascinating so that was that was one evidence that was one bit of uh, supposition that i was able to extrapolate to my my friend saying that uh, no i'm pretty sure that there is something here for if god were to tell us something with uh, magnanimity, magnanimity and uh, importance, he would give us big road signs, I think. And that—that that is the crux of faith, I think. Now, let's go into this, how does this compare with evolution? Well, started to talk a little bit more about uh, how the earth was formed, and that, quite honestly, I, I don't think that evolution is incompatible with Christianity. I'll explain why. So, we like to say that God created man, out of uh, and and by man, I mean mankind, our, our 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 type, our 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 form, our function. Man, mankind was created out of the dust of the earth, and that's interesting to say because wow, that that is a remarkable statement when you really think about this, because all life was effectively created out of the dust of the earth. We kind of came out of this, and uh, it's very interesting to say that at the end of the day, and I'm going to paraphrase, we are all made. Effectively of stardust. We are. That is, that, is, that, is the, uh, that is the substance, if you will, of our bodies. That is the, the physical makeup. We came from the dust of the earth. We probably go back into the dust of the earth. Uh, and that's okay. And perhaps maybe if the way had been uh, fulfilled in the way that God had intended which does not disprove or deny God's sovereignty. God's sovereignty existed in saying that man could go this way or that way. He's giving us the privilege of choice, and we chose poorly. But it goes to show that in a lot of cases there is a lot of truth to what is being stated 6,000 years ago in the Genesis narrative. and makes you wonder, how in the world did these people know this information? Somebody had to tell them or something Something clicked in them to say hey wait a minute here what's going on here and so we, we could say that yes in fact God did create man out of the dust of the earth and that's fascinating it's very fascinating because it does not dispute the evolutionary claims now evolution might call it the primordial soup and the primordial stew but at the same time What evolution does not disprove and does not discredit is the fact that it was guided, and it was guided. Now, if hypothetically God, in fact, did create all of this, based on the evidence that we have, then is it so far out of the realm of reason to say that God guided the evolution? Is it so far out of the realm of reason that from a singular cell that broke off and split off and, you know, went this way and that way that maybe some microbes were created that eventually formed into different archetypal or different, uh, different base species? I mean, the genetic building blocks, you know, the code, the data would have to be there. And I'm willing to sit down and say that, fundamentally speaking, they're, they're very, you know, in, in, on one sense, there's very little difference between me and the ape, with the exception. And this exception makes all the difference in the world the fact that I have the ability to reason, to learn, and to articulate. And by the way, out of, this, out of all the billions of species on the planet, we'll just say billion, I don't even remember how many there are off the top of my head, there's only one species, by the way, only one. Scientifically, that has shown any ability, any evidence of being able to rise above its nature. What do I mean by this? Well, the ant for millions and millions of years has been doing exactly as the ant does. It tunnels around and burrows around and it makes little ant colonies and 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 that's what it does. okay well, the horse is still horsing around the the monkey is still monkeying about. the fish are still fishing, swing around. They have not risen above. Their station in life. They're still doing exactly what they've been doing for millions and millions of years. Man, on the other hand, well, we figured out that if we took fire, we could take fire that was given to us, by the way. Chances are a lightning struck a tree and all of a sudden there was fire. It might have scared the bejesus out of all of us. But we figured out we get to harness that fire and then we can now warm our caves. And from the caves, we could actually harness that fire and we could make bricks. And then we could do all sorts of crazy things. And suddenly we started to invent things and we started to figure things out. But all from that one little spark of ingenuity. So no, I don't think that evolution uh, somehow denies God. In fact, I think it it shows us a process in which, in which mankind was formed. People would say, well, what about Noah's Ark? All of these animals. Well, you know what? Noah didn't take every single animal. He took two of a kind. And that's really fascinating because he wouldn't have needed to take every single animal. He would have just had to take the kind of animals. And why is that? Because we as humans, we as humans, we have shown that we can do something. We ourselves guide evolution. We do. We do. We've been doing it for centuries. Let's take the example of the dog. I take a dog, okay, and through selective breeding, through uh, environment, through food, through a lot of other variables, we eventually started to come up with new types of dogs. But at the end of the day, it's still a dog, much like you can have you know, different cultures, different ethnicities, based on environment, based on culture, based on food, and how we develop differently to adapt to our natural surroundings. Yet we humans are willing to guide animals and even even crops. We come up with new ways to pr- uh, produce more resilient fruits and vegetables, more, more uh, sweet fruits and vegetables through, through hybridization, through genetic modification. I mean, that's effectively what it is. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not talking about the things that are grown and bred in a a laboratory. I'm talking about these things that we have for time, uh, through many, many years of selective breeding. We humans even engage in eugenics. We have been. And could it not be said that eugenics is a form of selective breeding, of guided evolution? In fact, can we humans say that we are doing anything that is inherently original, or are we just recreating and and modifying that which has been blessed uh, that has been given to us that has been, we've been blessed with? So no, I don't think that evolution somehow denies God. In fact, I think evolution gives us further evidence of God in the guided, controlled, selective breeding of a species, of a group of. Uh, of a group of people, of a group of animals, if you will, that were selected out of all of creation and said, I am going to take you and I am going to selectively breed you to be in my image and likeness. The stuff is there. But I am going to impart something specifically on you now. I mentioned eugenics. Now let me let me back this up for a second because people automatically hear eugenics and they certainly think uh, Nazi Germany and Herbert Spencer and whatnot. No, no, that's not what I'm talking about. Eugenics has actually been practiced for centuries, and here's how. So when you define eugenics, it's just simply by you know taking the attributes and traits of uh, of a person and you want to enhance them and, and build them up. Uh, Through selective breeding. Well, we've effectively been doing that. We call it arranged marriage, which is, in a lot of cases, by definition, selective breeding. You look at the traits of this individual or or this man, this woman, you say, I like these traits. They come from good family. They are of good stock. They will give you many children. Oh, great. We will expand our borders. We will expand our families. And this is fabulous. And so based on those uh, traits and ideals that we like, that we find appealing, that the families found appealing, then we have an arranged marriage, and it, was, and it worked out really very well. You know, when you have people say, well, we're not going to marry outside of our tribal system. Okay, well, guess what? That is a proto-form of eugenics. So yes, we have been practicing it for many, many, many hundreds of years, if not thousands of years. So really, the concept is not new. The problem is, is when we start to kill people based on the facts that on the things that we find undesirable. That's where it gets a little dicey, and I'm not a big fan of that. I don't think that's a good idea at all. I think that's kind of terrible. You know, we're gonna we're gonna kill the the people that are deformed, and we're gonna kill the people that have disabilities. And we're gonna kill these people, and it's like, okay, well that didn't work out great for the Roman Empire, but uh, I mean, it kind of sort of did, but then. We can get into that one later. So yes, we have been practicing a form of eugenics throughout history. So it's not very new. So what I'm talking about, again, why does evolution not bother me? Because when you look at it, you have to ask the question that if we as humans, all we are effectively doing is through selective breeding, through genetic modification, through a great deal of uh, guided uh, growth. You know, are we coming up with something new or are we doing what was effectively done to us at one point or another? Is this, in fact, the process how God used the process that God uh, engaged in? Is this how he baked the cake? And quite frankly, I don't think... I personally don't think that this would say that God is any less of God. I would say that it gives more evidence of God. Now, a lot of people would say, well, how do you, how do you say this and that? Well, it's very easy. For, for one, we absolutely know a couple of things. One is that um, the people writing the Genesis narrative, they didn't keep time the way we do. So because they did not keep time the way we do, It stands to reason that what they consider to be a day and what we consider to be a day... Well, might have been roughly a 24-hour period, chances are it was not a 24-hour period, at least not the way we know it. Their days were uh, oftentimes uh, judged by when the sun goes up and the sun goes down. So it's a little bit different, a little skewed. And also the fact that the the sun didn't come around until I, what, what, I believe it was the third day or something like that. Um, off the top of my head, sometimes I get a little, it's the second or third day. So the point is, is that we obviously at least know for certain that days were not recorded and there's something to be said about what is in front of us and of course, when you have fundies who want to sit down and argue literal days or when you have people want to say literal, 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 it's like, well, if not, God was liar, no, God is not a liar. God is telling the people enough information that they can wrap their heads around. I'm not lying to a child when I say it will spoil your dinner. The why is hidden. The why is maybe just not not hidden. I don't like that word. The why is not revealed. Uh, And through knowledge and wisdom and education and growth, there are many things at 30 uh, plus years you will understand that you did not necessarily understand at 15 or 16 years old. Heck, I have seen 18 year olds engage in 14 year olds. In fact, this just happened the other day. And 18 was saying, good Lord, I remember what it was like when I was 14. God, I was stupid. (laughs) And so it makes you wonder, like, how much we will learn and and, and grow as we get older. That doesn't mean that knowledge and wisdom did not exist. It just means that our lack of understanding and our lack of sight prevented us from seeing the greater truth. So I finished off with my friend, and I said, based on the evidence that I see, I refuse to believe, and I cannot believe in good conscience, that such a complex system exists without a god. And I re- and it's hard for me to believe that because such a complex system would exist without a god, that at the end of the day there is nothing because that would be a gross waste of resource. That would be that would be completely absurd. I find it hard to believe And if we cease to exist afterwards, well, then I guess I won't be able to complain about it anyway. So what difference does it really ultimately make? But I have to believe my mind can only work in the way to say, where does the evidence lead? What am I being told? And I understand this world a lot more than I did than when I was younger. My world was very small. In fact, all of our worlds are very small at the age of 11 How about five? How big is your world? Sometimes we think the world is only the house in which we inhabit. And then we're going on a great journey. Remember when you were a child? And how long did it take for you to get into the car? And mom and dad would drive you to the mall. 20 minutes was an eternity. And then when you hit 17, you go on the journey by yourself. By the time you hit 20, it's like, okay, whatever, big deal. By the time you're 30, it's more annoying than anything else. Can you imagine when you're 40 or 50 or 60 or 80? Oh my goodness, how much different the perspective changes. But again, when you look at the evidence, when you look at the sheer amount of evidence, we are a singular species. We are a singular species. We have the ability to do good. We, we have the ability to reason. No other species engages in the morality or worries about the morality that we do. There's no laws that govern the, the tigers when they kill their own. They're doing it for the pure reasons of survival. Nothing more, nothing less. But we have the ability to reason and have morality to govern ourselves do unto others as you would have them do unto you and love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your might, and your soul. This does not exist in the animal kingdom. Now people would say, well, what about whenever we put a mirror? Excuse me? Whatever when we put a mirror? A mirror. Yes, a mirror. What happens when we put a mirror? and, And the monkey recognizes its own reflection. Oh, that's great. That's good. Where did the monkey get the mirror? Did the monkey create the mirror? Did the monkey put the mirror in front of itself? No, we did. Man did. Man plays God. Man pretends to be God. Man experiments as if we were gods. Man rules and subdues the earth and has the ability to practice being God and engage in the same modality as God. Now the question is, is will we be good gods or will we be bad gods? Will we engage in brutal... uh and and, and and vile activity? Or will we be good and righteous? Will we rule and subdue this earth in a good fashion? What will we choose to do with it? And that, I think, ultimately is really what determines a great deal of many of things. Will we have faith in what is good and what is right? The animals don't have this. And if anything, The very fact that we are a singular species defies all odds. Defies all odds. No other species except for the human race. The human species has shown any kind of evidence of rising above the dust from whence we came. And by that I mean the dolphin is still doing the dolphin the monkey is still monkeying about the chicken is still chickening all of these species all of these animals they're not reliant on us they will continue on just fine you're not going to see the cow turn around and suddenly you know making great works of art and music and reasoning you're not going to see you're not going to see the cat doing that they are going to carry on in their acts of survival doing that which they need to do to perpetuate their species. And guess what? Morality is not necessary for perpetuating a species. You don't need it. Morality in and of itself defies evolution because it is unnecessary. You don't need it. In fact, in evolution, for what reason alone would anything want to get out of the ocean in the first place? Everything that would exit out of the ocean would almost immediately die unless there was some mechanism that triggered it, that gave it reason and purpose to do so, and there was something that allowed it to survive. And we want to say, oh, well, we came out of the ocean in a formed uh, You egg. Know, Bill Wirtz's you know, History of Everything, which is actually a very delightful series and uh, a delightful half-hour video. I strongly advise you to watch it. But it, it begs the question, what caused what caused the microbes to move out of the ocean? What caused them to form on the surface of the water? Otherwise they would just die. Now that doesn't sound very productive to me if all you're doing is just dying, you're just getting washed up on the surface and then you die. Okay, now what? And then you die. And then you die. And then you keep dying. And you keep dying and keep dying and keep dying. Unless there was something. Something that guided, that guided the evolution like we do, like we do, and we guide it. Oh, we absolutely do guide it. And that's kind of something Neil deGrasse Tyson once said that was kind of amusing to me. He's like, dogs evolved in cuteness to be better fed. No, we evolved dogs. Uh, We evolved dogs to make them more cute. They didn't evolve it. We did that. We guided their evolution. You know, that, that, that's just, it's how it worked. I mean, yeah, sure, they might have figured out how to be a little bit more docile because we started to feed them, and they started to realize that, uh, that, that by uh, not trying to kill the people that are actually giving them food, you know, but at the same time, there's still a guidance of the human element. So afterwards, my conversation with my friend was a dear friend, somebody I am privileged to engage in philosophy with, in theology. Looked at each other and said, you know, this world is a wonderfully big place. And I think for a moment, at least in the moment, his crises of faith was settled down a little bit. He's considered, wow, I really thought about it that way. And it was surprising to me when I started to think about that way, because I realized that through many, many years of a lack of understanding of what we have in this world, that I had to get over certain preconceived notions of existence, that maybe it's that I don't understand everything, but I can be assured, through faith, through evidence, that a maker who created this wonderful system that was meant to be good and functioning, well, I have to take it on faith. I have to take it on faith that there is something outside of this mortal coil, that when I close my eyes in this world, my eyes will instantly be opened in the next, in that state of perfection, and I will bend my knee to the Lord, however one bends one's knee to the Lord in that existence, in that state. I will bow my head, and I will say, Father, I hope I have pleased you, because you created this system. You created it. You made it. And I pray, Father, that I have shown you faith, size of a mustard steed. I pray, Father, here I am before you. I am guilty, but you have made me. You have made me righteous through the blood of the Lamb, through sacrifice. And I pray that you will grace me with that privilege with the very fact that I already know in a sense I don't deserve to be here, but yet here I am. Here I am. And that gives me hope. That does give me hope. And that is what I believe. And you can choose to believe that. You can choose not to believe that. But it is patently absurd to think that, uh, that cert- such things like reason and science... Things that uh, were created to help us better understand reality, not deny reality. It is patently absurd to think that such things would deny God. If anything, it just gives us further proofs of his existence. And we could be silly about it and say that if proof denies faith, and without faith I am nothing, then I would cease to exist, and poof, God disappears in a puff of logic. Yes, I did quote The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, delightful book, fortunately has fallen out of favor in the masses people have forgotten about it and time happens I suppose, but you know God is not contingent on our faith but our uh our our ascension into godhood into the fullness of God into the fullness and the image and likeness of God is absolutely our faith is entirely contingent of that, so we actually need faith, not god we we need that but anyways, I hope some of this made sense to you and uh I want to say thank you again for taking the time to listen. And until next time, folks, I want to say thank you, God bless, and good day.